Hey there, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. Appreciate the fact that you guys have stomached Keith and I for as long as you have. We enjoy bringing the show your way and appreciate your patronage. Want to remind you, by the way, that the season ticket renewal deadline is rapidly approaching. It's in mid-April, April 15th. If you haven't renewed your season tickets for football, go ahead and do so for the 2022 season. A lot to like based on what we've seen so far at spring practice. For all the information, go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets. Uh, that's if you're going to renew. Or if you want to get tickets for the first time, you can get a reserve seat for all home games. Uh, they range in price from 330 bucks to 800 bucks uh, all in, depending on the seat location. Again, Seminoles.com backslash tickets to answer those questions as we count it down to the 2022 campaign. That said, let's count it down to the start of Front Row Knowles, which is right now. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. KJ, it is good to see you, sir. Tommy, have you been ordering up the weather? What's going on going on with the weather? You gave me credit for that last week. It's been nice. It's getting a little little too hot in the afternoons, but uh, it is. It is. I, I appreciate it though. Hey, Keith, we have actual genuine news to talk about this week. We might realign the divisions in the ACC. We might move the conference headquarters, and and you can hold your breath on this one because I'm not going to bother. The NCAA is going to actually start policing things retroactively. And given how good a job they do being proactive, I can hardly wait to see how reactive uh, they are. You know, one of the things that I think is going to come out of this uh, NIL uh, tampering, um, the uh, exchanges and entities that are quote unquote associated with the institutions is you're going to have a bunch of whistleblowers because I think there's been an unwritten rule that coaches didn't want to squeal on other coaches, you know, for the last 20, 30, 50 years, that may go away. We'll just have to wait and see. And well, I, you know, to use the driving analogy, Keith, when we're on, when we're on the interstate and we're on I-10 and we're, you know, most of us are doing 80, that's one thing. But when the car passes you doing 105, it kind of annoys you a little bit. Like that's a little too much. And that feels like what's happening in college football. Now we're everybody's bending the rules a little bit, but if you're going to be that overt about it, yeah, maybe we need to pump the brakes. I agree. I agree. And we'll just have to wait and see. Now, obviously that doesn't fix the NIL, the transfer portal and some of the other issues that are associated with it. Uh, that will take, you know, uh, some time to do, uh, but Maybe just maybe uh, there could be some embarrassment and some uh, policing amongst themselves that will help a little bit. We'll just have to wait and see. Hey, speaking of NIL, and this is a digression, Keith, but I noticed that uh, Fox Sports apparently got a hold of the contract that you signed your junior year to start broadcasting with Sunshine Network, which didn't wasn't even created until 1988. But the 10 year $375 million contract that has that Tom Brady, uh, is, you know, is there for him whenever he decides to retire. I mean, I just think it's good that they found that old document or maybe it was a stone that was chiseled in and they're, they're bringing it back to life, Keith. It was a stone and uh, the actual chisel I have in my safe deposit box at the bank in case I ever need to re uh, communicate anything. So the format and, and the template was done on me. 
However, the area where the commas and the zeros were, that that has been greatly expanded over the years. <laughs> they needed a bigger tablet or stone. Exactly, exactly. Hey, back to the FSU world. we got a big show ahead. Jerry Kutz is going to join us. Uh, he's at Amelia Island where the ACC meetings are taking place. And if you haven't noticed on the Florida State Athletics calendar, first of all, congratulations. Uh, and it's bittersweet, I know, but to the, the women's beach volleyball team, which finished as national runners-up, that was a terrific run they had in Gulf Shores. I know they're disappointed, but uh, a great run there. The softball team is into the ACC tournament this weekend. Their record is like 1,005 this year or something sick like that, Keith. Uh, baseball's got Miami this weekend. Women's golf is hosting the NCAA regionals. ACC outdoor track championships are this weekend, which means that Trey Cunningham, who was just on our show a few weeks ago, is going to win another championship. Men's tennis with an upset to get to the round of 16 against Tennessee. And men's golf starts its regionals on Monday. So it's a slow time in the, in the sports world. And the, the opposite of the Sports Illustrated cover jinx has now been manifested in the appearance as a guest on Front Row Knowles because Trey, as you mentioned, is going to take all of the hardware. And immediately after having Sid on our show, she hits three home runs in one game. So we're becoming known for that. Sid Cheryl joined us last week and then, boom, hit four homers in the next few games. Uh, and this that's a good note for FSU soccer fans, by the way, because new soccer coach uh, Brian Penske will join us later in the show, Keith. So uh, hopefully the, uh, the karma carries over to the soccer pitch as well. And it should since it's right next to the softball field at FSU. All right, we'll, we'll move our attention to ACC football divisions in the conference. Are they done? We'll address that with Jerry Kutz right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ, and we got a special guest, KJ, enlighten our listeners. Well, we've got the uh, original founder of the Osceola and a long, long-time friend of the program, and, and I'm glad to say a long-time friend of mine and Tom's. Jerry Kutz is joining us. Jerry, you're over, uh, you're over on the beach side, on the uh, east side of Florida. This is tough living over here, Tom, I'm telling you. And Keith, yeah, I'm sitting uh, at Amelia Island, been in the meetings all day, and right now I'm at it's a place called the Tiki Bar. Uh, one of my favorite places, regardless of its East Coast or West Coast. What, what are you hearing? What's, what's the first thing you want to update us on on the uh, hallway talking uh, at, their, uh, at the ACC meetings? Well, it's been a day filled with uh, all the changes in college athletics that the conferences are being faced with. Uh, it was a broad uh ranging conversation today from uh, NIL to uh, transfer portals to um, tampering within the within the transfer portal um, and some happier subjects uh, that um, uh, uh, you know with uh, that people just really like this new commissioner uh, Jim Phillips, they, they feel like, boy, we really have a strong leader. We have the right man at the right time. So uh, a lot of stories. Uh, if, if you want, I'll go into detail. Uh, well, the um, one that I'm interested that you didn't mention, but the one that I'll kick us off with is the possibility of doing away with the divisions 
Yes. Uh, as early as 2023. So talk about scheduling and divisions first. So that, that's, that is a very interesting topic. Uh, they're, they're looking at that, eliminating the divisions and going with just, you know, one, one league. And uh, it would be, um, they're looking at two formats there. One would be where you have two permanent games and six crossovers. And then one where you have three permanent games and five crossovers. And uh, either one of those models would give you the opportunity to play every opponent in the conference home and away within a four-year period, which to me would be, that's a big win-win to me. So I think what is driving the metrics on that is television revenue. They're trying to increase, you know, the ACC's uh, payout to the member institutions. And each of these models is tied to metrics that say that it would. So I think the conversations I heard from people, whether they were for it or against it, was, you know, would it pay off? I mean, what is the payoff? Because everything you do in life should be purposeful and intentional. And even the critics of it um, said, hey, if it generates more revenue for the schools, then I'm for it. Um, And uh, I think I'll just speak for me as a fan. Uh, I heard one model today that would have Florida State would have Miami and Clemson as their, um, you know, uh, guaranteed opponent in the two uh, team model and would ha- could have Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Miami. Uh, did I say that right? Miami, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. Right. The three. Um, three game guarantee. Now to me, as a guy that was in charge of uh, promoting season ticket sales for a lot of years, I mean, that is that very attractive to have Georgia Tech as a regular uh, crossover, not crossover, but a regular uh, guaranteed opponent. So, um, you know, I think Georgia Tech would travel to Tallahassee better than a lot of other schools do and we've gone so many years without playing Georgia Tech it's a shame I also think that it makes sense from a recruiting standpoint and as Tom and you both know we have a very strong alumni base in Atlanta we sure do so you know to me I got kind of excited when I heard that now some people maybe don't like it so much because it's you're kind of getting three of the toughest teams in the conference in that, um, in that vein. But uh, again, what drives it is television revenue. Hey, to that, to that point, Jerry, uh, my original thought was, yeah, the three teams is the way to go with Clemson, Georgia tech and Miami. But the more I thought about it, and I don't know if this is on the table, but to me, if you had two permanent opponents and they were Miami and Georgia Tech, you'd do away with the annual game with Clemson, but I don't think that'd be a bad thing from a competition standpoint. Now, maybe you'd beg to differ from a 
a selling ticket standpoint, but what do you think of, about that? I, 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 I could see it. I mean, I think Clemson does bring people. They do sell tickets. I think uh, television would like to see, you know, television's looking at the ratings on the games. You know, they're all about eyeballs because that's what advertisers look at. And that's where the money comes from. So, uh, but, you know, it needs to be equitable uh, within the conference. So um, that's where, what are the other opponents' schedules look like? And are you putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage if you're the head coach? Uh, so those are, those are the, that's what they're talking about. Um, and then I had a, one of the great things about being over here is that you get a lot of one-on-one time with coaches and athletic directors. And I was able to spend a good bit of time with Mike Bray, the Notre Dame head basketball coach, and Mac Brown spent some time with Mario Cristobal. And, uh, you know, uh, I think they're all looking at that, that. And that was conveyed to me by Michael Alford and by Mike Norvell is that, what was refreshing about the meetings is that everybody seems to be on the same page. They're just looking for ways to make the conference more attractive, um, you know, to fans, to television, and to elevate these, the status of the conference. So uh, I, I don't, I, you know, Mike Alford, Michael Alford said it best is when you sit in these meetings, of course, he represents Florida State. But you're, you know, the the focus needs to be how do we make our conference better, and uh, and that's uh, you know that's noble, but it's also profitable. If you can make this conference better and give up a little bit, uh, you get bigger gain than than what you lose. So. Jerry, I don't think we're going to get the end of uh, the NIL transfer portal question, so I'm not going to go down that particular vein. But the one thing that has started to come out that people are talking about is the NCAA investigating that that tramp, uh, 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 you know, uh, the tampering part of and the connected NIL entities and the, the ability to make offers prior to a, a student athlete coming on campus. What, what seems to be the consensus going forward on that? They're trying to figure it out. Now, I'll tell you, you know, uh, Michael, Mike Norville was quoted uh, uh, in, in the Democrat today, and uh, I saw his quotes that he's had players that he has evidence says that there's been tampering. Uh, Mac Brown was very outspoken about that. He, he's had players come to him with text messages from, you know, opposing coaches uh, with NIL offers to, you know, enter the portal. And so Mac said on the record today that his posture is, he's asked his players, he said, fortunately, we haven't lost any yet, but he's going to go a step further now. And when a player gets a text message like that or any kind of, documentation he's going to turn it over to the ncaa and he he said it's just uh it's uh it goes against everything that he believes in that coaches 
would poach from each other. And it's, it's not fair to the player. It's not fair to the coaches to put each other in those situations. So uh, Mac is going to take an aggressive approach to uh, go after those who, who do that. I thought that, you know, that was, yeah, that Keith, was the right approach. To Keith's point, I'm not sure what the, what the end game will be on that uh, in terms of actual teeth there from the NCAA, but, uh, or that we can, we can solve that issue right now. One of the other topics on the table, and we're talking with Jerry Kutz from the Osceola, is where are they going to move the conference headquarters to? Do you get a sense on where that's headed? Charlotte, Orlando, staying in Greensboro? I talked to, to sports writers mostly about that, and uh, that it's, it appears that Orlando is off the table and that they're looking at Charlotte or Greensboro uh, as probably the front runners. But that, there, there wasn't talk. Um, I didn't hear any talk from athletic directors or head coaches about that. No. Yeah. It seems Charlotte makes sense to me on that one. Keith knows I've, I've long lobbied for Charlotte. If we're going to keep it North Carolina, get to a hub city. That's heck heck. Charlotte is one of the cities you can fly to on a direct flight from Tallahassee. So I'll take that as a win. You can't even fly direct to Orlando from Tallahassee, but you can fly direct to Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Keith, as you finish up, what else you got for Jerry? Well, I just, I, I think I want to go back and, and, and echo and, and uh, reaffirm the fact that uh, it has become quite clear that the member institutions of the ACC need to get in lockstep with each other and, and, and move the conference forward, or there's going to be a continued um, backing up as it relates to prestige and money. Do you agree, Jerry? Oh, 100%. You know, Coach Bowden used to have an expression, you know, you've heard it, Keith, when he had an assistant coach that, you know, saw Florida State as a stepping stone to get to the better job. Coach Bowden used to always say, you know, work hard at this job and make this job the better job. And I think that same philosophy applies to the ACC. You know, we can be envious of other conferences, but that's wasted energy. Put your energy into making this conference a better conference. And uh, I think that that's, that's productive. And I go back to, and I, every single coach I spoke to today uh, and athletic director, they all, the first thing out of their mouth is, man, we got the right guy as the ACC commissioner. And, and, you know, Jim Phillips is serving on the, the committee, the transformation committee for the NCAA. So he's one of, I don't know, handful of people that are serving on that committee. So he's, he came in and spoke to the football coaches for 45 minutes and told them what's going on across the country. He came in and did the same thing with the basketball coaches. And man, he got them all fired up. So uh, I think we're that that's probably to me the biggest takeaway from this weekend is just how uh, what a strong leader uh, Jim Phillips is. And boys, it's going to take that. I mean, it, it not only I mean, Alfred and I were talking about it today. It's not only good for the conference. But Jim Phillips is good for the future of NCAA. 
Well, that's that's good to hear, Jerry. And uh, unfortunately, he was dealt a tough hand. So we'll see we we'll see what he can do with that with the TV contract not up until the mid 30s, 19, I mean 2036 or whatever it is. Uh, well, we got a got a lift of almost four million with the addition of uh, Comcast, so that helps. And and the uh, ESPN is coming in tomorrow, and some, not, I'm sure a lot of news will be breaking tomorrow about where we're at with with that. Yeah, makes sense. Well, Jerry, we'll let you go work on your tan and get back to umbrella <laughs> drinks at Amelia Island. All right, appreciate you joining us. Okay, thank you for your time, and I'll see y'all later. Jerry Kutz from the Osceola, who joined us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We will react to that in just a little bit, but we've got another special guest who will join us next segment. Stay with us right here on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We're going to reopen that Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Really pleased to have the new soccer coach at Florida State join us here. And this is uh, Brian Penske. Coach, welcome to town. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind uh, over the last, I don't know what it's been, two, three weeks. But uh, you're wearing garnet. You're, you're in an office that's got garnet behind you. So welcome to Florida State. Thank you. Yes, I am officially here um, two weeks yesterday and uh, very excited to be here, humbled to be here. Um, even when you say the new soccer coach at Florida State University, it still gives me chills. So very happy to be a part of this program. For, for our listeners, and I'm sorry, Keith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep rolling here. You're, you're the former head coach at Maryland. You're coming from Tennessee, uh, have had a lot of success. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking what I'm about to say you'd classify as a good problem to have. But you made the Sweet 16 a year ago at Tennessee, and where the bar has been at Florida State under Coach Kerkorian for the past almost two decades, decade and a half, the Sweet 16 is a disappointing season for them. So I, our listeners can't see you shaking your head, but uh, d- does that fall in the, hey, that's a good problem and let's go embrace the expectations? Uh, 100%. Um, it's, uh, if, it, if it wasn't a good problem, um, I, I, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. You know, it's it's the challenge that I have accepted. And uh I have followed Mark for a long time and uh, am very aware of all of his success that he's had here and and even before he came here as a coach. So, um, you know, Mike Bristol and meeting with him uh, two weeks ago today for the first time, his words were, this is a program where if you don't make the college cup, it's a failure, you know? (laughs) So uh, the bar, the bar is high, you know? Um, And, and, and that speaks to just, how, how good Mark has been and how good, you know, the whole staff has been and the players have been because there are a lot of good programs in the ACC. There are a lot of good play, programs around the country, but nobody has excelled at this level around the country. So um, certainly they've recruited at a high level, coached at a very high level, um, and then uh, the success has certainly followed on the field. Coach, our, our listeners might not be aware of, they haven't kept up with it, but you were actually hired from Maryland to Tennessee by former Florida State Athletic Director uh, Dave Hart, who actually talked to Mark about that process. And, and Mark, by all accounts, I don't want to put words in his mouth, you can, you can tell us, but he basically told Dave, yeah, he would recommend you for that job. So you guys have been a, a part of each other's on the radar for quite a while. 
Oh, uh, that's right. Um, when when I was at Maryland, Maryland was still in the ACC for for all ten years. I was there as a, the assistant coach for the men for three years and head coach for the women for seven. So competed against Mark, um, obviously on the women's side there. And uh, yeah, it was January of 2012, and I was sitting outside of my then second graders school waiting to go in for his little second grade chapel. My wife and I were sitting in her car and Mark called me and he asked, uh, do you know the name Dave Hart? And I said, no, I, I, I have no idea who that is. And he said, well, he's the athletic director, the new athletic director at Tennessee. He was the athletic director here. He hired me here at Florida State. And the thing that he said to me in that moment, which really resonated, which is really what brought me to Tennessee was, he made me feel like Florida State was a soccer school. And that hit my heart. Um, we, 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 we were pretty good at Maryland. You know, my last three years, we were 11th in the country, 10th in the country, and 11th in the country. Failures by Mark Gregorian standards, but still pretty good by Maryland standards. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know that uh, we were all that uh, highly thought of at Maryland. And, um, you know, our budget, the support for the program, all of it was a big challenge. It was a big challenge. It was hard to be that good. And then uh, Dave Hart and that administration at Tennessee wanted me really badly and made me feel like Tennessee was a soccer school. Um, so he did it to me in the same way he did it to Mark. And uh, I always took a lot of a lot, honestly, um, a lot of pride in the fact that Mark brought my name to, to, to Dave and then also uh, a little bit of sense of pressure. Right. And similar to the pressure that I'll feel here following his footsteps. Coach, I'm curious, as you look at the timeline and, and given, you know, the knowledge you had of Mark and Dave Hart in Florida State, and I don't profess to follow the coaching turnover in, in women's college soccer. But I would assume that with the season ending in November, December, most of the transition is happening December, January. So. And, and we'll get to the, to the, the implications of, of Mark moving on and, and your roster and all that. But when you first hear that the FSU job is open March, April, I don't know what day it was. I mean, what goes through your mind? Did you say right away, I'm the guy for that job and jump? Because that's this is not the kind of job that comes open after a national championship at an odd time in the offseason. Mm hmm. Um, no, my first thought was, no, I, I want, I was not, I want that job, um, that it was just total shock. And, um, I think everybody wanted to know why, what happened. All right. Um, is he okay? All right. Uh, um, and, um, yeah, truly, I, I, I remember exactly where I was. Um, I'd actually just finished doing a podcast for college soccer nation and <laughs> looked down at my phone and, uh, and I have a little text group with some of my coaching buddies in, in the SEC, and we were all uh, we were going crazy over it. And um, within 24 hours, I was actually on the phone with Jim Curry here because he and I had worked together back at Maryland. And um, he knew my old boss. Well, Jim Curry was a compliance guy. My old boss, Tennessee, was a compliance guy. And so we got hooked up and we just started talking about all the circumstances and I, I really shared in that moment, my, my empathy for the kids um, because I knew who they had just lost and what they had just lost. And, uh, and I also shared my empathy for Jim <laughs> and I knew very well that Jim had a big job ahead of him, right. As the sport admin for this sport and now trying to find somebody who would fill the shoes of Mark Kerkorian and someone who'd be, willing to do it and leave what they had and all those things. 
And so really that, that, that became my conversation with him um, and kind of guiding him a little bit through the, through the process um, as best I could um, as he was, was talking to the players. And, um, you know, he, uh, I remember he called um, Jalen Howell and had a conversation with her and he was doing all of his due, due diligence and really, you know, being, being a good steward of the program. And then, and then uh, calling around and see who might be interested in the job. And it really wasn't for about three weeks later until, um, you know, the end of our spring season, not ideal timing. Um, I think maybe that was some of my reluctant initial reluctancy to really throw my name in that way, just so deep in my own world. And, uh, and then, you know, I had a good life. We had a good life in Tennessee and, I didn't need to chase anything. Um, but then he kind of one day called and said, all right, you know, I really want to have a, I want to have a, you know, heart to heart and a real conversation about this. And even at that point, I wasn't all in, I was all in to have a conversation, but I really had, you know, had a lot of thinking to do and a lot of talks with my wife and, 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 and our kids and, uh, and then it got to a point where it's like, okay, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm 53. I've been in um, a couple of good programs. Um, I really love the ACC and women's soccer. And I think, you know, when I went to, to the SEC, the SEC was coming off a year in 2011. I think we had nine teams in the NCAA tournament that year. And I think I had a little bit of belief that, you know what, maybe the SEC can catch the ACC one day. Um, but then over time, um, <laughs> I realized that, you know, there are just too many good academic institutions in this league. Um, there's too much history of the soccer programs in this league. And um, the best players in, I lost too many, I continued to lose too many recruiting battles to this league. And uh, to where I just had kind of given up hope. And, and even I get in arguments with fellow SEC coaches and just like, guys, we're not, we're not catching them. We're not catching them. We don't have. Right now, even look at FSU, the top 20 academic institution. We don't have a Duke. We don't have a UNC. We don't have a UVA, a Notre Dame, a Boston College, a Wake Forest. Those are all top 25, top 30 academic institutions. That's a big deal, and especially in our sport. Um, and every single one of those programs that I just named, not only are they great institutions, they have a real history and tradition within the sport of women's soccer, and that's tough to catch. Coach, you talked about heart-to-hearts. Uh, we don't have time to get into the full part of it, but you have gone out of your way to make sure you've been one-on-one -on -one with your kids and, and uh, listening to them and talking with them about them understanding your buy-in and your need for them to continue the buy-in. And um, just talk a little bit about that process. Had you ever had to do that before? Or is that a little unusual? And uh, you know, what, what, what would you share with us about that? Yeah, thankfully, uh, no, I've never been in this position before. <laughs> um, it's new. Um, um, it's a little bit of a recruitment process. Um, however, I'm trying to, to do it a little as organically as I can. Um, you know, what's tough is I was introduced to the team on a Monday. That Monday was the first day of exams. And then I spent the next two days doing individual meetings with each kid who was still in town, a couple of the um, early enrollees had already left because, you know, they left high school early. They, they got out of here as quickly as they could to get home back to their high school friends and all that. So I did those guys on zoom, but I met with them individually. And then by Friday, 
Um, I actually had gone back up to Knoxville for my son's senior high school senior game. They were all out of town for the most part. The players all left because they were finished with finals and, and they were gone. So now everything we're doing is text, phone calls, Zooms, things like that. Um, and just checking in on them, um, them checking in on me. A couple of them have come to me with, you know, questions and thoughts on my philosophies. And, you know, I, I, I joked with somebody um, that it's like I'm, I'm kind of on trial. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's, and you never know when the session resumes, you know, um, and it's okay, you know, and, and I would not have come here if I didn't believe in myself. I, 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 I'm not the kind of guy, and maybe you've heard me say this before, that's going to get up and, you know, spend 30 minutes just talking about myself and the things I've done. And that's hard to do because I'm also following Mark and I haven't done anything close to what he's done. Right. Um, but I do believe, uh, you know, in, in my, my last three years at Maryland were the three years where those kids were my team, right? Those were 100% my players in the ACC, and we were virtually top 10 each year. And one of those years, we were number one national seed. So I think I that record speaks for itself. That's not me just saying I think I'm decent, right? We did very well. And then, and then I made the move to the SEC, and the SEC is tough. Great league, very well funded, um, and 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 um, – probably no better supported league in, in college soccer, but it's a tough footprint in our sport. Right. And, and, and we don't have many top 25 academic institutions, but I still think I did well. We only, in the last decade, we only had two final four teams. We never got there, but we were an elite eight team. Right. And so I'm proud of that. Right. We won a couple championships. I'm proud of that. I feel like I did a pretty good job. And now in coming here back in this league, I think I can do a pretty good job. Will I do what Mark has done? Well, I don't know that anybody's done what Mark has done in the last 10 years. So, so I'm not going to even have that conversation. Right. But I know that we're going to be good and I know that we're going to compete. And so I have found my moments to share some of that confidence with the kids when the moment's right. Right. Cause they also want to know that I'm confident and I believe in myself, but really that's what the process has been. Um, there've been no talk of deadlines or no talk of pressure. I don't think the kids feel any sense of pressure from, from me um, as organically as you can get to know someone while they are, you know, honestly, as many as across the ocean, right. Away from me, um, we're trying to do it. Right. And uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, very honestly, I hope they watch my press conference. Um, I don't know if they did. Uh, actually, I know a couple of them did a couple of them sent me texts, nice texts saying good job coach, you know? Um, so we're just we're just it's it's just a process right and you know we can sit here and say oh my gosh it's uh i don't know what it is it's may 10th oh my gosh what are we doing what are we doing well it's also may 10th and it's only two weeks since i've been here which is only four weeks removed from when mark left and you know i said this to somebody the other day um you know mark was who recruited him here mark's been the best mark all of a sudden out of absolutely nowhere went in that day and said Hey guys, I'm leaving. And, um, you know, thankfully Mark is healthy and he's okay. And he's going to live a great life. But in some ways it's like a death to those kids, right? One day he is, he is their coach, their dad, their all, everything, you know, in, in, in their worlds all the time to being gone, poof, gone. Right. And so they, they, they got to go through these stages. And again, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but they got to go through a little bit of grieving process and those stages and those different emotions while also getting to know me. So 
I think it's going well. Um, I feel pretty good about it so far. I am not at all at the stage of uh, freaking out. Might I eventually get there? <laughs> Very possibly, but I hope not. Um, I feel like uh, things are trending in the right direction. New soccer coach Brian Penske at FSU. Welcome. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, you certainly had to hit the ground running. Look forward to when the season kicks off uh, in August. And really appreciate you joining us. And, and, and welcome to the family. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. You bet. Thanks, we'll take coach. a break. Come back with uh, more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ to clean things up, uh, wrap things up, really. Jerry Kutz joined us earlier, and Brian Penske. Clearly, he knows he has big shoes to fill, Keith. I mean, he's grounded in what his expectations are, but uh, he has had success, as has Florida State, so I'm confident success will continue. Now, the Mark Kerkorian level, as, as he put it himself, we'll just have to see. You know, that's one of the things that's interesting and and. You know, I had this conversation one time with Jimbo Fisher when he was when he was brought on staff and, you know, he was the coach in waiting and, you know, nobody wants to follow the legend. OK, and Jimbo's remark to me, and I think this would be a similar remark, don't want to put uh, words in Coach Penske's uh, mouth, but, you know, the, the bar is so high that the expectation is not there. And so there may actually be less pressure or at least some time to develop your own identity before the pressure hits. And I've never really had thought about it that way. Well, it's definitely big shoes, but he seems like he's up for the task. And so look forward to the, to the new era of FSU uh, and Seminole soccer. The, uh, the talk from the ACC, Keith, when I first saw the news about the divisions potentially going away, I was ecstatic. And I thought about it last year, you know, when FSU went to North Carolina last year to play a road game at UNC in 2021, the last time, and, and I go to all the games, Keith, the last time I, I was in Chapel Hill for a football game was 2009 when Christian Ponder was quarterback. Right. So it's a 12 year gap between road games and an opponent and six years at home right now. And what's on the table that Jerry was talking about is either having three permanent partners or two, and you would play everybody else in the league. Uh, either every other year or every third year. To me, that's a better scenario, either place it lands. And we saw it happen in the COVID year. I, re I realized there were a lesser number of games and it was a very unusual situation, but you know, the ACC allowed Notre Dame to play a, a, a larger slate of games and they actually appeared in the championship game. And they had a one-year exemption from the NCAA. That whole division thing was an NCAA-driven thing. And so I think we've all, I think, come to the realization that it didn't work the way it should have, and it just needs to be changed, and I think it will be changed. Well, and the NCAA does need to change the rule that right now requires divisions to play a conference championship game, but the Oversight Committee has already recommended that change, so I think that will right. happen in a couple of weeks. So that that won't be an impediment to getting this done. Um, you know, as much as I like playing Clemson, Keith, when you, when you look at what FSU plays out of conference already with Alabama and Georgia on the books, uh, to me, it would be a better scenario to just wind up playing Georgia Tech and Miami. And if there was a third permanent partner, 
maybe UNC or Virginia Tech, somebody that moves the needle a little, but it's not Clemson. That said, I get Jerry's point that the ACC is going to have TV ratings in mind and people want to see FSU Clemson. They're not clamoring to see FSU North Carolina uh, in, in football, but I, I, I don't think it'd be a bad thing if FSU and Clemson stopped playing on an annual basis. Couldn't disagree with you more. I think it needs to absolutely continue for two reasons. Number one, it's now an established rivalry. So we don't have to try to create anything like you'd have to try to create it with Georgia Tech. Because remember, when we first joined the conference, that was the, going to be the natural rivalry. It never existed. And number two, Florida State hasn't been good. Been, Clemson's been real good. But there'll come a time when that changes. Because I remember Florida State whipping Clemson 57 to nothing and Dope Campbell. So this competitive thing, you've got to be thinking about, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, not just the next two or three. But, well, that's a fair point. And the three closest geographic rivals to FSU would be Miami, Georgia Tech, and Clemson if they wound up with three. I'm just saying if they wound up with two and it was Miami and Georgia Tech, I wouldn't be crying over my beer. That's, that's I would not saying. be crying, but I certainly hope Clemson would be in the mix. I would vote to, for them to be there. Yeah, Jerry's point is dead on, though. I mean, if those are your three permanent partners is FSU, and if you're Boston College and your permanent partners are, are Syracuse is one, I don't know. Well, Pitt's, Pitt's been up a little bit. There's just how do you get to a – how do you create equity there? And I don't know that you ever can, to your point, because teams are up and down. Um, but Florida State's getting more of the heavyweights. For example, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Clemson have all won national championships in football, uh, and everybody else will be playing schools that don't have a national championship right. category. Yep. Anyway, we'll see. That'll get solved uh, here in coming weeks. It's exciting to actually talk about football and implications and and uh, something besides NIL, even though we, we dabbled in those waters at the start of the show. We're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.